As I put this message together, and I was sharing with Brother Dan over here, it, it was one of those weeks again, you know? And I, I might say this a lot. Hopefully it shows my heart. You know, I could grab a message anywhere. In fact, now I can have a, a, a chat bot do it for me. <laughs> it's doable. Let me just say that, all right? I could preach that message, and it would be really, really, really good, hopefully. But if it's not from the Holy Spirit, if it isn't for this time, it's not going to mean anything. It's not going to bear fruit. And I don't want to preach a message that doesn't bear fruit. So this week, I literally put together two different messages. I mean, they're done. Until I got this one. Now, I think I know where I'm going next Sunday, all right? Because it's been on my heart for a long time to teach on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to hopefully get there next week. But for now, just understand that as your pastor, I, I wrestle with this. I really do. Whatever it is that I want or I feel God wants me to say to you, God invests in you. God loves you, and he wants you to receive something from him today. And even if I don't say it, hello, you know the Holy Spirit can speak to you without me having to open my big mouth, and you know I have a big mouth. We're going to have a talk when we get back out in the boat. <laughs> One of my fishing partners. Don't have to be so honest. I believe this message is for this church. That said, all right? Um, as I was going through things yesterday, feeling that, like, you don't have it yet. I'm like, yes, I do. No, you don't. Yes, I do. No, you don't. And I ran across a message, or excuse me, an article that I had archived a year ago. And when I read it, I was like, okay, this is for you and me. I'm not excluding you. I'm in this too. Everybody say, this is for me. How many have heard of the name uh, Dr. Jeff Bonzelar. He runs the Life Challenge in Detroit. He's a wonderful friend, and we support that ministry, by the way, every month. And they do an amazing job with uh, people who are going through addictions, recovering from that, and I just love him dearly. And in this article, he had titled it Friending Recovery and Faith. Friending, Recovery, and Faith. But today, I want to change that title, and I am calling it Friending at Another Level. Friending at Another Level. And anybody recognize that, the beautiful lady that's in that picture? And Of course, that's one of my granddaughters, but uh, she was little in this picture. Now she's a whopping six years old. <laughs> it was a few years ago. But when I saw her face, and every time I see her, she just has that demeanor that welcomes people, that friendly look, if you will. And it, Dr. Bonzelar's article began with how he had been enlightened on the main point of recovery and Christian spirituality. And ironically, a little bit anyway, it came from a Roman Catholic priest and an Episcopalian author and editor. They helped him see what he was missing, something very important. And after reading this story, I felt like I had kind of missed the mark. And I'm trusting God here that you may feel the same at the end of this. You know, we have a mission Everybody in this room, if you're a believer, if you're a Christ follower, 
you have a mission. So that makes all of us what? Missionaries. Is that scriptural? Yes, it is. You can't escape that. What does it mean? For every person, it's a little different, right? We all have different talents and gifts, and again, we'll get into more of this next week, but for today, what I want you to understand is nobody's exempt from this. As much as we want to be. Because I'm one of those guys... Years ago, I was so antisocial, unfriendly, okay? I just wanted to go to work, run my job, run all my parts for my 8 or 12 hour shift, go home and be left alone. That was who I was. My wife and I actually thought about moving to Canada. And taking over one of those parcels of land. Back then in the 70s, if you moved up there, if you, you could, they'd give you 500 acres, you would farm it, do whatever you could to live on it, and if you could make it work, after five years, they'd give you that land. This was our dream. No people. <laughs> Just Barb and me, and however many little ones are running around. And then Jesus. Ah! Anybody else? He, get, he had my number. He's like, I got something better for you. I didn't know it at the time. He just started teaching me about people. How I needed them and they needed me. I didn't get it at first. But I didn't care because I had Jesus. If, you, if you're a believer and you're born again, you know what I'm saying. Nothing mattered to me except my relationship with him, and he just chose to use me in that strange place that I was, antisocial norm, and he was using me to be social. <laughs> and I didn't even figure it out for a couple of years. Right? I'm antisocial, at least so I think, and, and all of a sudden I realize I've got all these Christian brothers and sisters around me. How did that happen? I'm unsocial. God used me anyway. God can use you anyway. So if you think you are unsocial, don't believe it. God can still use you, even in the midst of your thinking that you are. Jeff told of Father Gregory Boyle, and, and this man founded and directed Homeboy Industries. Doesn't that sound cool? Homeboy Industries, and it's the world's largest gang intervention and rehabilitation organization located in nothing, nowhere else than Los Angeles, California. If you've ever been to Los Angeles, you know what it means to be a homeboy. They're everywhere. The priest's life showed that the ultimate goal of the gospel is not just to reach people. See, this is what we have wrong. Now, are we supposed to reach people? Yes. yes, but it's not the primary reason that we're here. The primary reason is to receive people into the kingdom of God. Everybody say that with me. Receive people into God's kingdom. For the gospel spreader, those are the missionaries. Who's a missionary? Okay. For the gospel spreader, that means that we must be with them and give to them of ourselves. Okay, anybody else getting up and leaving? <laughs> Pastor Barb, don't you dare. I'm messing with you. She got up right when I said that. In a word, the priest practiced what he called kinship. What is kinship? Family, right? Isn't that what family is? What do you think 
drew those homeboys into the gangs. Family. Because their home life was a wreck. They had nobody they could trust. But these guys had their backs, or so they said. And they became a part of these little groups of people. Men and, and girls, boys and girls, usually. They started them young. And it became their family. Because they didn't have a family at home. Listen, you want to know why the devil fights so strongly against family? This is why. Because if he can destroy the origin of God, what did he say? He said, go and multiply. Multiply these families. In Christ's name, people need to see that there's good in families. And not just the blood family part, but also the spiritual family that we have here. Man, I'm going to stop there. Another rabbit trail. Similarly, in his book, A Peculiar People, Christian writer Rodney Clapp said that the final message of Jesus was not just to serve. Instead, the master directed his disciples, that's us, to be friends. To be friends. The Bible shows, oh, sorry. How many know this? We are called to be friends. Amen. You may not agree with me yet, but hopefully by the end you will. We cannot let the simplicity of this message, of, of this idea of kinship, slip away. This church has an opportunity. And I'm, I believe that the Holy Spirit is saying, if, if you'll buy into this, can I use that term in church? If you'll buy into this idea of friending, it will change the nature of who we are. People will come out of their shells, out of their little clusters, wherever they're at, and find a way here because... They're going to find something called friends. That's us. Or it can be. Now we know that Jesus made it clear that whoever wanted to be greatest must first be the least, the servant of all. And, and that's found in Matthew 20, 26 to 28. I'm not going to put it up. Just to say this, all of us needs to learn how to serve. If you don't already know how. We have to be humble. We have to believe that, that God will use this somehow, some way, in his own way, in his own timing, and so on. But there's a big difference between serving and friending. First, serving has two distinct sides. And you probably know this, but there's a benefactor and there's a beneficiary. Right? Right? One side receives, the other side gives. And there's a distinct difference between the two. The one serving is usually seen as the, the lower one, right? And this is true in many different societies yet today. But friending, and this is the difference, it's relational. Say relational. And as such, it suggests that people are equal. Do you know that the Bible says that all men are equal? And by men, I mean men and women. Slave and free. You know, we still have people that are in slavery today. But they're all equal in God's eyes. But friending someone necessitates mutuality. And I, I was going to put it up, but I want to give you a little homework. Google this. Look it up in the dictionary and see what it says. Mutuality. Friending someone necessitates mutuality and thus diminishes the distance between us. Serving is good. But as Reverend Boyle notes, it's just the hallway that leads to the grand ballroom. I like that. <laughs> 
It's just the hallway that leads to the grand ballroom. It's where we begin, but it's not the end. Kinship, or i.e. friendship, is established where people become one with the other. And I'm really going to get into this more next week, and I didn't realize it until just now how much uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 have to do with this idea of unity and becoming one. You'll see that as we begin that next week, hopefully. So what does this have to do with us? I want this church to continue serving. We need servants. But we need to get good at friending. Do you know Jesus was an expert at friending? And I, I wear this plug out, but I'm going to say it again. I have really enjoyed The Chosen, the series The Chosen. Yeah, you can clap. They've done a, an amazing job. What I appreciate is it shows us the human side of Jesus as well as his deity, his God side. And we see how he invited people into his circle. And he made them feel like he was part of the team right away. Didn't matter who they were. Unless you were arrogant, unless you thought you were all that, man, he let you in. You could be a part of his team. We need to be similar. Dr. Bonzelar suggests serving doesn't go far enough on the love continuum. That's, those are his words, the love continuum. Serving doesn't go far enough. Serving others falls short of love's true aim, which is to embrace the other, to take that person into one's life, and to befriend him or her. As such, it's my opinion, I believe it's easier to serve than it is to friend Because you can serve and not really care about anybody. I used to work at Ponderosa. And I served people. I was a dishwasher, which meant I went out and I cleaned tables off. While I was serving them, I wasn't thinking, oh, thank you, most generous person. I was thinking, really? You couldn't finish that? You know? I mean, I'm going through all kinds of stuff in my head. But to friend somebody, it's to put all that nonsense aside and just to say, you know what, I just want to get to know who you are. Tell me your story. And hopefully that'll lead to you being able to tell your story. Amen? Amen. And by the way, friending is more than just a click on social media. I don't know about you, but I get a lot of friend requests from some pretty strange places. Some are from countries that, and listen, I'd love to think that our live stream feed goes all the way to Africa and in Asia and wherever. And maybe it does. But when I get these guys wanting to friend me, <laughs> and I, I, I always click on their thing to see who they are, and they have one picture. You know, and I'm like, wait a minute. They're just trying to get into your friend list. Don't let them in. Don't be that naive, gullible, or whatever you call it. They really don't want to friend you. They want to corrupt your friends, right? So that's not friending. Friending isn't just putting on a smile and acting friendly. I already talked a little bit about that. Anybody can do that. Have you ever been to a sales lot where they sell cars? Do you usually walk up and the person that greets you goes, what do you want? No. If they do, what are you going to do? You're leaving, right? No. Welcome. 
What's your name? They're taught to do that. What's your name? And from then on, they call you by your name. They make you feel like they're your friend. What do they really want? Your wallet, your purse, whatever. Your money. And I, if you're a car salesman, <laughs> hey, we need all types. You know, I'm just picking on you. Politicians, same thing. I promise you, I will. Until they're elected. And then it's, oh, did I say that? Well, what I really meant was, the whole point is, anybody can put a smile on and act friendly. That's not what I'm talking about here in this church. I don't want to be fake. We have too much of that already. I want us to be real. Real friending is about caring, sharing, and bearing. These were Jeff's words, but I thought, you know what? They rhyme. I like them. Caring, sharing, and bearing. Meaning what? Caring enough to invite somebody into our life. Pastor Roger, you, you've not said this in a little while, but you, you often say, go invite somebody to lunch afterwards. Some of our best friends, that happened with us. We, we invited them to lunch, got to know them, and they started babysitting our kids. They didn't have kids at the time. They were really young. Started babysitting our kids, and, and we're still good friends today as a result of that relationship. But it took time and a little bit of money in that case because we bought lunch. It means that we're willing to share our wins and our losses with people. We got to open up. They're not going to know who you are until you really tell them. And you know, as a human being, most of us, we are, are so uh, convinced that we can't share any of our details that we don't. We're afraid somebody's going to hurt us. And that may be true. Maybe they will. You tell somebody the goods about yourself, you may end up hearing it in the, the rumor grapevine. Hopefully not from the hope. We need to be willing to do that. We need to help others bear their burdens. How do we do that? By actively listening. Keyword active. So many times somebody comes to us as a friend and they begin the dialogue and they start to share something going on in their life. And what is our immediate response? How to fix them. You know, you can't fix anybody. That's God's job. Just listen. And maybe every now and then say, so let me get this straight. What you're telling me is this happened. Just so they know that you're actually listening. And you're not over there on your phone going, oh, yep, got it, yeah. Yeah, you want what? Milk? Come on. Make eye contact. Listen with some empathy. Because we've all been there. We've, always, we've all been in that place where we needed somebody to listen to us. They're not necessarily seeking advice. Now, if they give you permission, well, what do you think? Okay, the door's open. But unless they do, just... That's hard. What if the hope were filled with people who were good at listening? who are good at friending. Friending is known as reciprocal love. Say that with me. Reciprocal love, which seeks the good of the other. When you associate with other people, is that your goal? Are you trying to find the good in that person? Anybody know a jerk? Some of your hands went up. Some of you are honest. We probably all know somebody, maybe they're a relative, 
Maybe not. Could be a coworker, student. Even the jerk needs a friend. And I say that not with tongue in cheek because I've seen it too often where that jerk is somebody who doesn't have a friend to help them walk through whatever it is they're going through. They need people like us who are willing to say, don't say, all right, jerk, I'm here to listen. But in your heart, you might be thinking that, but they just need to know somebody cares. And sometimes you can deliver those people from that being a jerk thing. It takes time. I mean, most of them took a lifetime to get to where they're at. But you can actually help them. And when they discover Jesus, it's over. I mean, you know, they're going to get the victory one day. Amen. And that's, imagine this, that, that jerk... You see them delivered. You see them come to Christ. They're born again. They start serving the Lord. They start getting that smile. They start friending people. What do you think the people that knew him before are going to think now? What a testimony to the power of God. But unless somebody like you or me reaches out to these people, and I, I use the word jerk, but it could be any type of person unless we reach out to them and help them to meet jesus receive them into god's kingdom they're going to be out there languishing and they're never going to get that opportunity to say jesus forgive me of my sins and make me a new person it takes us to do that the church the missionaries that god is calling Hallelujah. I think most of you would agree that we live in an age where people have learned to distrust, disengage, and even hate anyone who doesn't agree with them. As Christians, this can never be how we are represented or how we represent the kingdom of God. We cannot live under the them versus us mentality. If that's your motto, man, you need to repent. Woman, you need to repent. Because that's not God's way. God forgave even the men that stuck him on that cross. They were laughing at him. They were mocking him. And he said, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. Come on. Sorry, that was a little bit of the preach. <laughs> the Bible shows how Jesus took time to friend the people that the Jewish Sanhedrin considered unclean. Jesus rejected the idea that the sins of the prostitutes, the tax collectors, and the lowest of the low in that society, that that should prevent the Messiah from friending them. He rejected that idea. We must do the same. When somebody labels a certain part of our society or culture, we need to say, whoa! Where's that in the Bible? God loves all men and all women. He wants everybody to come to, to know Him and to get saved. Put plain and simple. They didn't want Jesus hanging out with the scum, let alone establish relationship with them, let alone friend them. Matthew 9, verse 10 and 11, later Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home. Now, in The Chosen, you'll see Matthew. And this dude is weird. But he's also really cool. I have grown fond of that guy in the character. All right? It's just awesome how they portray him. Along with many other tax collectors and disreputable sinners. Huh? 
this is your Jesus, my Jesus, the Son of God, the one who takes away the sins of the world, same one. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with scum? This is the NLT, but it portrays it pretty well. All right, it paints the picture. They're, they're basically saying to Jesus, you're hanging out with scum? Ew. When Jesus heard this, <laughs> he said healthy, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. That's our God. That's our Jesus. Minister to the sick, church. Show mercy to people. Don't reject anyone. Friend people in Jesus' name. What would Jesus do? One of the brothers recently gave me a, a bracelet that had that saying on it. You know, we, I forget, was it the 90s when that came out? It was a long time ago. And everybody knew back then, WWJD, what would Jesus do? Right? And it still applies today. What would Jesus do in this situation? We just read it. Jesus received people, the scum of the earth, so to speak. And he called them his friends. Do we do the same? Hello? Church? Yeah, you think about that when you go home and you see that neighbor that you don't like. Jesus genuinely... <laughs> Wanted to be with them. I'm not going to say this is easy. Sometimes to friend somebody takes a little bit of tenacity and a, and a lot of prayer, right? And if you know one of those J-E-R-Ks in your life, you know what I'm saying. But it's not license to reject them. In fact, and as I've already said, it's probably more important that you friend that person than anybody else because they're the ones that need it the most. They're not going to tell you that, but deep down inside, hurting people hurt people. That's a truth. That's a fact, right? Finally, Jesus gave all of himself through the cross. So those considered scum by some would become friends with God. Because of Jesus, we can become a friend with God. And it doesn't matter how ridiculously sinful. You know, some of us, we're just so proud of that long black list. You know what I'm saying? The one that we don't want anybody else to see. Yeah, you know, when I was a kid, I... So what? God doesn't care. He knows. It's not hidden from Him. What He wants is for you to say, I need you, Jesus. <laughs> I want to be your friend, Jesus. That's what He wants. And I hope that all of you th this morning can see that we are the scum. Well, wait a minute, Pastor. What do you mean? All have sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. Not one of us is worthy of stepping foot into heaven, let alone having a relationship with Him. But because of Jesus, 
because of his great sacrifice, we can. Not only are we forgiven, but Jesus says, now you are my friend. Just as Jesus died for them, he died for us. In the story of the Good Samaritan, and again, I'm not going to put it up, but it's found in Luke 10, 37, around that area. If you remember the story, it talks about how a man, a Samaritan, ran across a Jewish person who had been beat almost to death. And this Jewish man who was near death had two others go before the Samaritan who were Jewish. But because they didn't want to get unclean, and because they had things to do, what did they do? They went around him as though he wasn't really there. How often do we do that? But Jesus uses the Samaritan guy as the hero of the story and to make his point that even though the Samaritan was at odds with the Jew, they hated each other. If you understand the background, Jews and Samaritans didn't talk to each other. Often they didn't trade with each other. They left each other alone. That kind of attitude. (laughs) But in this case, what did the Samaritan do? Even though this other man was his supposed enemy, he helped him. And he didn't just help him. He ensured that the man lived and was taken care of. Gave him his own donkey to ride to the nearest hotel on. Gave the innkeeper enough money to provide for this man until he was able to take care of himself. And then he said, and if there's any more charge to what it costs you, any more expense, I will settle up with you the next time I come through here. (laughs) Wow. Does that sound like a friend? And Jesus said at this point, now go and do the same. Who wants to hear that? Why? Because this is what missionaries do. Dr. Bonzelar goes on to say that friending might be the revolution that Christ Christ sought to launch. Friending might be the way we truly change the world. Can you say amen? Amen. After all, isn't that what we long for the most as communal creatures? We're, We're designed to be with people. We want to be loved. We want to be enjoyed. How many want to be valued? Right? We want to be heard. Just as we are, not not the way somebody thinks we ought to be, but the way we are. After spending three years with his disciples, Jesus said something to his men that I'm guessing caused them to blush. And he said this, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything that the Father told me. (sighs) Put yourself there. Jesus calls us friend. Friend of God, really? Yes. That means nothing is kept from each other. There's a back and forth. Jesus received his disciples as his friends. He opened up to them. He confided in them. 
What if the people of the hope could find it in themselves to receive people like Jesus did? To offer our friendship and our love to others like this? You know, that's what people are looking for. I already talked about the homeboys. They just need to know somebody cares about them. People join churches because they're desperate for something richer and deeper than what this media-driven culture has to offer. We can offer this friending to others in our community. And it's one at a time. It's It's not this mass friending thing, all right? It's one on one, just like Jesus did. Yeah, he had 12, but he had three that he was intimate with. It's just getting to know each other and sharing your burdens with people. But it requires that we truly see people. Not for who we want them to be, but who they are. Who God made them to be. And we must listen to them. And even though we may not agree on everything and sometimes not on anything... We still claim them as our friends. Are you able to do that? God offers us that kind of friendship, and he wants us to duplicate it. As his followers, we're expected to go and do the same with others. Hmm. Thank you, Jesus. The message of the gospel is that God in and through his son offers friendship to all. To the kind and to the unkind. To those who are like us and those who are very different from us. Priest, theologian, and philosopher Herbert McCabe painted this picture of what our eternal lives in Christ are going to look like. And he said this, he said, Heaven is people living together as friends. Friends with each other, Friends with God. Look at your neighbor and say, Hi, friend. I, I often ask myself this question when I hear of uh, disputes amongst the body, and I'm not necessarily saying here at the Hope, any church. When they're fighting amongst each other, I often think, What are they going to do when they get in heaven? You know, and I'm reminded of forgive and you will be forgiven. For as you forgive, so shall you be forgiven. John 12, or excuse me, 13, 34 and 35. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Read this with me. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Give the Lord a hand. Love one another as I have loved you. That should be our mantra, not us against them. How do we do this? We friend people who, not unlike Jesus, may cause us to be seen in a lesser light. You know, you've got family, they're going to watch you going and talking to some of these folks, and they're going to go, what is wrong with you? Uh. It might be if you're hanging out with this bunch. (laughs) Anybody? Yeah. Yeah, you've probably heard that, especially if they're not saved. We may be accused of being a traitor, of being unholy, even losing our so-called friends as a result, like Jesus did. Those Jewish leaders should have been, what's next, Master? What's next? Instead, they were like, crucify him! That's kind of a hard point to shift to my next thing, but... An illustration, and and this has nothing to do with what I just said. (laughs) Because I don't want you thinking. 
Anyway, recently I started working out at the gym, and it's really been good for me. Uh, I've enjoyed it, and it, it, it's like riding a bicycle. I used to do it years ago, and I, I've just jumped right back into it again. And I like seeing the different kinds of people, the old and the young, the, the thin and the not-so-thin. Everybody has their own ideas about what it means to be fit, right? And even how to get that way. And what I love, and I learned this from my wife Barb, what I love is messing with people's heads. <laughs> In a good way. When somebody... Okay, I'm in a gym. The gym is filled with... Get up here. You're going to be my example. It's filled with guys... Yeah, puff the chest up. It's filled with guys like this. And here's this old 65-year-old dude that, come on, you're on testosterone, man. Come on, pump it up. And, and you're... How, how do you walk? Purpose. No, come on. Yeah, like that, exactly. Oh. That happened to me. Thank you. Give him a hand. And my, my first response was, what? Well, just because I'm a frail old man, you're picking on me. I'm going to go get my wife. No, no. What happened was, I realized, I'm going to get this guy. I'm going to get him to talk. And, and, and I had to work on it. And the following week, he was doing an exercise that I'd never seen done before. Well, I had. I saw it online. And I wanted to do it. And I just asked him about it. Hey, you know, what's that, what's that working on you? And he tells me. And a little bit later, he left that room, and I go over there, and I start to do what he was doing, except I did it wrong. And he came up behind me, and he hands me something to go with the, the, the exercise, and he goes, no, use this. This will help you to get the real burn. And then he tells me how to stand. And I'm looking at him going, this is a guy a week ago that just about knocked me on my can. And now he's helping me. Now, am I there yet? No. He's still full of testosterone, and I want to be careful because I don't want to get pummeled. <laughs> but I believe God put him there for a reason, and he put me right there with him, and that is so I can friend him. And I'm hoping somewhere down the road, if he doesn't already know Jesus, that I'll get a chance to share that story with him. You've got to be careful. You don't want to get flattened. But for me, I've made this man and others like him my mission. I like messing with their heads. Now, a week ago, I already talked about that. All right, here we go. Let me get back into this thing. This takes commitment, time, patience, and love, right? And it requires that we set our own agendas aside, our politics, and the way we think life should be lived in order to friend those who need to hear the gospel. Dr. Bonzolar, as Sarah comes back up to play softly, Dr. Bonzolar concluded his article with this, and I'm going to do the same. Real friendship is so rare today. Never in the history of civilization have we been more connected but so alienated and divided? The social cultural forces pulling us apart are innumerable. May God help us. If we are going to make a difference that matters, it will begin and end with learning to be friend. To that I say, Amen. If we are to do what Jesus commanded us to do, then we're going to have to get radical and learn to understand the art of friending. For some of you, this may be easier. 
but for those of us like I used to be, it's going to be a little more difficult. But don't use that excuse, well, God can't use me, I don't even like people. You know, I used to say that from the pulpit. You heard me if you've been here any length of time, and I don't say that anymore. I used to say, were it not for people, being a pastor would be awesome. That's how bad I was. But I recognize today that were it not for people, we wouldn't be here. Were it not for each other, I'd have nobody to sit here for an hour and a half and listen to me. Wow, you're merciful and gracious and kind. Thank you. But I believe that the Holy Spirit is using this to grow us, to mature us, to help us to understand a little bit better. Yes, there's human nature, but then there's God's nature. Somehow, some way, we bring those two together. And it, and it always looks different because we're all so unique and individual and nobody can say, well, this is how you need to do it. That kind of person, they don't last long. That's that legalistic attitude, and I, I don't like that. I think it's unscriptural. We must recognize that how we friend people is going to be different with each one and, and with each of you. You're going to choose a different way to get after that one that needs to be gotten after. But with God's help, with the help of the Holy Spirit, you will be a success. Maybe not every person is going to yield and say yes to Jesus, but at least you're planting the seed. And then when another Christian comes along, another follower of Christ follows up and, and also plants a seed, they may be the ones that get to see it grow. We can't despise small beginnings. We, we must allow God to use us, which means we're going to be open to Him and to people. When we're walking around in our culture, in our society, in Gaylord or wherever you're from, we're going to look for those opportunities. When that dude comes at you, you're not going to call him a name. You're not going to let it hurt your poor little feelings. You're going to stop and go, ah. Him, Lord? Okay. Would you stand? I hope now that I've finished, that makes a little more sense. What do you think? Can the hope, can the people of the hope do this? And listen, I keep saying to others, but this includes us relationally here too, you know. Because <laughs> sometimes the people that, that you least get along with are right in the midst. Now, it shouldn't be that way, right? <laughs> but sometimes it can. And, and that's up to you and the Holy Spirit to figure that one out. Get it right, right? Yes. The correct answer is yes. But I believe if we'll grab hold of this and learn to friend people and really listen and really have a heart like Jesus, genuinely wanting to be with them, because that's our mission, we can change this society one person at a time. We can help somebody that's hurting, bring healing into their life, and most especially, introduce him or her to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's our responsibility.
Father, we thank you again for what you're doing in this church. And as we try, Lord, our best to do our Father's business, Lord, I pray that when we fail, you'd pick us up. When we succeed, we wouldn't get a big head about it. That you will give us everything we need, every tool. Give us discernment, give us wisdom, give us words of knowledge. Even prophetic words, Lord, or especially prophetic words. Take this church and use it to bring you glory and praise and to receive the sinners, Lord, of our community, of our the northern Michigan area, to receive the sinners into your kingdom in Jesus' name, that no weapon formed against them would prosper. For we recognize again today that greater is he that lives in us than the one that dictates this world, Lord, the one that rules here. He has nothing on us. And Lord, we give you all the glory and all the praise for what you're going to do here. Teach us to friend. If that's you, would you just lift your hand? Yes, teach me, Lord. Put the other one up too. Hallelujah. You're like a funnel. Just receive from the Lord just for a minute. And then I'll, I'll close with a prayer. Hallelujah. Lord, fill us up. Give us all that we need, Lord. <laughs> for some of us, it means a life change because we like being alone. But Lord, we know that's not your will. We're not meant to be hermits. We need each other. We need kindness. We need love. We need interaction. We need family. Bind this church, Lord, together with your strong cords of love. Lord, we love you. <laughs> we love you. We're not for you. We wouldn't be here. We love you. Because of you, Jesus, we're called friend. God calls me friend. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. If you're here today and you haven't made that confession of faith, you haven't said yes to Jesus, you haven't asked him to forgive you of your sins, I'd like to give you that opportunity. Everybody put your hands down just for a minute. If that's you, would you just... Nudge your hand up so I can see it. If you need Jesus today, you, you just want to know that you're God's friend. Yes, hands up all over. Thank you. Anybody else? You can put them down if you already raised them. Thank you. I see that hand in the back over there. Thank you. I want to pray with you. And by the way, uh, we have our, our uh, prayer partners here, our frontline ministry people that are more than willing to pray with anyone that needs extra prayer afterwards, just come up here and they'll meet you up here if they're not already up here. If you want to come up here, you can. Uh, anybody that's in that frontline ministry. I want to pray with you. And then I'm just going to release us today. Um, but this is important. This is the start of a new day for you folks. And all of us, many of us, have made that decision already. And it changed our lives. And to know that God calls you friend is an amazing, amazing privilege. But what it means when you pray this prayer is that you recognize you need Him. You need His forgiveness. You need God to cover you. But also, you need His friendship. So it's an ongoing relationship. It doesn't end here. It begins here. So if you raise your hand, I want you to pray this prayer aloud as though Jesus were listening, because I believe he is. Amen. Heavenly Father, pray this with me, saints. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father thank, you thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he died for me. If I'd been the only one on this earth who needed saving... He still would have died for me. Thank you, Lord. 
I confessed with my lips that Jesus is Lord and I need his forgiveness. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean of all unrighteousness. I give you all that I am and all that I have in Jesus' name. Now use me. Teach me. Show me how to be a friend. I love you, Jesus. And I want to love others. Help me with that. Amen. We have a little green booklet that will be available on your way out. If you want to grab one, it's called The Start of Something Wonderful. It's the beginning stage of becoming born again. Grab one on your way out. They're free. Uh, If you need prayer, please avail yourselves up here. If you just want to tell somebody, hey, I just gave my life to Jesus, they'd love to hear that too and pray with you. God bless you. Have a great week in Jesus.